You're listening to You Talk, I Listen, We Do, with attorney Ty Pinkins, 2024 candidate for United States Senate, ready to represent our great state of Mississippi and help bring about positive change for you, your family, and our communities. We're living in a time where all Mississippians can benefit from honest and capable leadership. Regardless of the color of your skin or what's in your bank account, jobs, housing, health care, education, and so many other areas can stand some fixing. I'm running for United States Senate in 2024. Along the way, I'll be talking to you every Wednesday at 5 p.m. right here on WMPR about what matters to you. We'll have guests every week discussing issues surrounding jobs in the economy, health care, education, and so much more. Tune in weekly so you can talk, I can listen, and we can do If you've enjoyed our show over the last few weeks, last couple of months, please consider going to www.typinkins.com, making a campaign donation to help me win my race for United States Senate in 2024. You can also follow me on social media, all of my social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, at Ty Pinkins. That's at T-Y-P-I-N-K-I-N-S. And this is probably one of my most uh, uh, exciting parts of the show. One, because she's back. She's back. She's back in action. Of course, I am joined by my incredible co-host, none other than Miss Sean Jackson, Warren County Supervisor, real estate agent, and uh, secret superwoman. <laughs> She's back in the studio. How are you, Sean? <laughs> I am so well. I'm well, Ty, and I'm, I'm so happy to be back. I missed you all. Oh. I, I missed the show. I missed talking to the public and talking about the issues in Mississippi. We missed you. Yeah. We missed you. You got all this good vacation time in. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm part of, I'm, I'm, I was happy for you going on vacation, and I'm partly jealous, and then I missed you secretly, and I'm like, we got to get Sean back in the studio so I can stop missing everything up. But let, let me tell you what, what so I, I had my first child to graduate, y'all. Really? Oh, I mean, congratulations. Every little girl wants, you know, they look forward to that moment. You uh-huh. want children, you want a family. Yeah. And so he, he came downstairs before graduation, surprised. He just walked in with his stuff on. Yeah. His honor course, and I just oh. broke down. So my oldest is uh, headed to college. Um, and I know Where, where's he headed to? The Morehouse. Whoa. He wanted to be a Morehouse man. So okay. who am I to, who to stand in yeah. his way? And I have all boys, y'all. So uh-huh. I, I learn. I am a woman, a mama, <laughs> but I'm a woman. Let that man be a Morehouse man. Yeah. So that's where he said it. And um, and I want to thank everybody for the prayers, the mm-hmm. prayers for Attorney Sanders. Mm-hmm. We have gotten so many calls, but he is back. Um, that trailblazer that everyone knows, he's back in the office, he's working, and so God is good. Thank y'all for the prayers and the thoughts for mm-hmm. Attorney Marshall Sanders. So, yeah. here we are. Yeah, here we are. We are uh, back in, and uh, we are rolling, and Sean, the last few weeks have been such a roller coaster. We've had some uh, some fabulous, fabulous guests on. I've been yeah. all over the state. Yes, um, you have. What do you call it? The, the train for change? The the train of change. The train of change. But I think I want to change it. You're kind of like, you know how you look at Santa on Christmas Eve uh-huh. and they, they track you around the globe? Uh-huh. What is it? Nord, Nordrack or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. That's where you are. I'm going to 
next Wednesday, I'm going to have all of the scenes uh -huh. that I've seen you in posted up here. Yeah. And I think you've covered the state. You're going to cover it three more times before oh, absolutely. it's time to vote you in. No, we're going to be in every single county. Right now, I think we've hit about 26 counties wow. so far. Um, we've got so many more to go. We're going to go to each and every last one of them uh, more than once. But okay. it's so much fun getting out and talking to voters, listening to um, the issues that are important to them. But more importantly, seeing the appreciation in their eyes when they realize that they have a candidate that actually respects them enough to show up in their community and asks yeah. them for that That's vote. Right. That's right. That's one of the most valuable uh, resources that they have is their vote. That's and, right. They appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Way to go. Absolutely. Keep it up. We're here with you. So we always like to start our show off by honoring those trailblazers who came before us, those heroes. And this week we honor the legacy of James Meredith. Mm -hmm. um, this week we honor his birthday, actually. Born really? on June 25th, 1933 in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. James Meredith is an American civil rights activist, writer, and United States Air Force veteran. He made history in 1962 by becoming the first African-American student admitted to the racially segregated University of Mississippi. The groundbreaking event, which required the intervention of the federal government, became a pivotal moment in the civil rights movement. Inspired by President John F. Kennedy's inaugural address, Meredith courageously exercised his constitutional rights by applying to the, United, the University of Mississippi. His aim was clear to put pressure on the Kennedy administration to enforce civil rights for African-Americans. Little did he know, however, the firestorm his admission would ignite. The admission of James Meredith sparked the infamous Ole Miss riots in 1962, where his life was threatened and the violence reached such a height that 31,000 American service members had to be deployed to restore order. Now, this event stands as the largest ever invocation of the Insurrection Act of 1807. Undeterred by the dangers he faced, Meredith continued his, his courageous fight for equality. In 1966, he embarked on a solo 220-mile march against fear from Memphis, Tennessee to Jackson, Mississippi. His mission was to shed light on the persisting racism in the South and encourage voter registration following the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Remarkably, Meredith insisted that major civil rights organizations should not be involved. However, on the second day of the march, tragedy struck. Meredith was shot by a white gunman sustaining multiple wounds. Despite these horrifying, this horrifying incident, leaders of major civil rights organizations vowed to carry on the march in his name. And what transpired next was absolutely awe-inspiring. As James Meredith recovered from his injuries, people from all corners of the country joined the march in solidarity. On June 26th, as Meredith and other leaders entered Jackson, they led an estimated 15,000 marchers, creating the largest civil rights march in Mississippi history. The impact was profound. Over 4,000 African Americans registered to vote during the march, becoming a catalyst for ongoing community organizing and increased voter registration. Today, we honor the resilience, bravery, and unwavering determination, and of course, the birthday of James Meredith. His remarkable journey served as a testament to the indomitable spirit of those who fought for justice during the civil rights movement. We have to remember it. Wow. We have to say it, and we have to say it out loud. How impressive. Yeah. I learned so much. Yeah. You know, when you think you know, you, you really only know a piece of it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
So we always want to honor, um, and we want to honor those who've paved the way yeah. before us. And we want to make sure that the next generation um, understand the shoulders that they're standing on. Absolutely, for everybody. Yeah. So he'll be 90, mm -hmm. and to just add to it, Mr. Meredith at 89 today oh, is yeah. embarking on, and actually he's in the middle of another 220-mile wow. walk. Um, across the state of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And along the way, he's meeting with local officials to mm -hmm. talk about racism, mm -hmm. but also something that's really important, that's crime in our state. Right. So June 25th, he'll actually be celebrating his 90th in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And he'll be in Vicksburg on the 23rd at 5.30 at Washington Street Park. So mm -hmm. you all out there who are listening, um, figure out where you can catch him on this walk before he concludes it for his 90th yeah. birthday. Thank you, Mr. Meredith. That is so, so, so fabulous. We want to remember those heroes, those trailblazers. Absolutely. So we got another today, trailblazer. Today, today, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm so excited about today's show. Yeah. And I'm tell you why. When we first started this show several months ago, February, March time frame, I believe, we had a show and we were talking about healthcare issues. And this is, the, I'm, I'm going to introduce our guest to you here in a second. They can't even see you yet. But we were talking about healthcare issues on this show one evening. And we were getting calls in from people. And we got one call. And it was Dr. Eddie. I said something that I suspect was either wrong or right or something, but it triggered <laughs> He said, look, I'm Let calling this call. show and I'm a, uh, I need to say something about this. We go up to the report. Yeah, hey, what's <laughs> and that and that showed me how uh, broad the reach of ninety point one WMPR is. Yeah. Because you don't you don't know who's listening. And, and just over the last several months, we've I've talked to doctors, lawyers, uh, judges, yeah. people who actually people who pick up our trash, people who mow our lawns, yeah. teachers, nurses, who all say we listen to WMPR ninety point one at five o'clock p.m. and we love. The guests that you bring on. So yeah. that's why I'm so excited about today's guest, today's mm -hmm. show. In the studio with us this evening, let me get you on the screen because I'm, I'm slipping. Dr. Edney, while you're doing that, he said, I listen every day on my way home. <laughs> you know, during yeah. my commute. I said, okay, here okay. we go. Yeah. But we got in, in the studio right now is none other than Dr. Daniel Edney. Now, I call him the top doc, but Dr. Edney is the state health officer for the state of Mississippi. And in August 22, following his tenure as the, part of the deputy state health officer and chief medical officer for the agency. Prior to joining the Mississippi State Department of Health, Dr. Edney dedicated over 30 years to private practice in Vicksburg. He earned his, his medical doc, uh, degree from the University of Mississippi School of Medicine and completed his residency in the internal medicine program at the University of Virginia. Dr. Edney holds board certifications in internal medicine and addiction medicine, and he is honored as a fellow of the American College of Physicians. Wow. Welcome to the show, Dr. Welcome, Edney. Welcome, Dr. Edney. You? Thank y'all so much. I am well. I'm so <laughs> glad to be here. Thank y'all for the invitation. Yes, you thank are more you for welcome. being here. We're so happy to have you here because we think that this topic is one that's on the top of people's minds all yeah. across the state. It doesn't matter the demographic. It doesn't matter your race, your sex, your age, where you live in Mississippi, whether you're a low-income community or a middle-class community. Health is so important. 
So let's just jump right into it. You're the top doctor, the state health doctor for Mississippi, and someone who is well-versed in the healthcare landscape. And I would like to discuss with you the recent developments regarding postpartum Medicaid expansion, which is important to me. And I know it's important to, uh, to Sean. Uh -huh. um, Mississippi has been grappling with concerning statistics related to maternal mortality and infant mortality, uh, preterm birth rate, and low birth weight rate. At the beginning of this year, a report highlighted the worsening maternal mortality rate in our state, which was already one of the highest in the country. During the legislative session, there was mounting pressure on lawmakers to extend health care coverage for mothers on Medicaid, specifically from two months to a year. And at that time, 28 other states, if I'm not mistaken, had already implemented um, um, extended uh, postpartum Medicaid coverage, with several others considering the same action. The Mississippi Mortality uh, Review Committee, consisting of 28 healthcare care professionals and advocates, recommended that our state leaders follow suit. As the state health doctor for Mississippi with a deep understanding of healthcare issues, what was your initial reaction when you learned that Governor Reed signed Bill 2212 into law? Well, I was so excited. Uh, I took office uh, last August the 1st, mm -hmm. and you know, there are a lot of doctors who leave private practice to mm -hmm. go to the health department, and especially when you've already worked for 30 years. So it was not a post that I was seeking or had, had planned on, but, you know, the Lord really opened mm -hmm. the way and and put a, really a calling on my heart yeah. specifically because of this reason. Yeah. You know, that as a Mississippi physician, as a father and grandfather and just as a Mississippian, mm -hmm. you know, I was more than embarrassed. I was ashamed of the fact that we, our babies die mm -hmm. at a higher rate than anywhere else in the country. Wow. And um, that our mothers are dying at an exceedingly high rate mm -hmm. compared to the, the rest of the country. And our country is actually not doing that well compared to other developed nations. Mm -hmm. um, we're we're dead last with babies. We're very close to dead last with our moms. Mm. And um, and as you said, if there's anything that I can do mm -hmm. to change this at all, I've got to try. Mm -hmm. And so when I talked to the Board of Health about taking the position, I said, understand what my priority is going to be. Number one, improving maternal infant health statistics. Mm -hmm. yeah. Number two, improving the, the severe uh, issues we have with morbidity and mortality with diabetes. Right. Okay. And number three, our drug abuse crisis. Yes. That, uh, that's killing our young people. Yeah. And that I, I was coming on board to take the lessons learned out of the pandemic mm -hmm. and applying them to these three key areas. And I knew from what we had learned through our COVID work mm -hmm. and how we were able, through the leadership of our health equity team and the health department, to flip. Mm -hmm. to health disparity that was occurring at the beginning of the pandemic and, uh, and to take us from the lowest rate of African-American vaccinations with the highest rate of mortality right. to flipping that fairly quickly to where we had the highest rate in the nation mm -hmm. of minority uptake of the vaccine and mortality plummeted. Mm -hmm. And even today, the white mortality in the state from COVID mm -hmm. remains 
significantly higher than black mortality. It's one of the few hmm. disparity flips that we have. And that was a, a lesson for me. Mm -hmm. If it works with COVID, right. it'll work with paternal infant. The only difference is I had we had tremendous financial resources with COVID. Yeah. I had pitifully small resources for paternal infant, but I can't allow that to stop us from doing the Lord's work. Yeah, and this. that's fascinating. And one of the things that you're going to learn in this show is we plan to, to talk about certain things, but we quickly, quickly go off track. Sean just yeah. threw her hands up because she yeah. knows it's going to happen. But so when I, I mean, very quickly after I took the job, I had some public interviews uh, with media and was asked, you know, about uh, postpartum coverage for women. Mm -hmm. I said, well, we, it's a no-brainer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I said, it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. I said, but it's not sufficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you know, um, you know, we have to allow our high-risk women to to have access mm -hmm. to medical care at least for 12 months. At mm -hmm. least they That's deserve right. longer, but at least for 12 mm -hmm. months. And we were looking at women who had gone through pregnancy; they were taking five medications to keep their blood pressure under control. And that's exactly a segment segue to where we. My question for you, Dr. Edney. So um, this isn't an ego check mark for you. No. This is not a career check mark for you. No. Kind of reminds me of my service as supervisor. Mm -hmm. You want to make a difference in your community and your community being the state, right? But you mentioned three priorities, um, improving um, mortality of women and mm -hmm. babies, diabetes and drug abuse. Sometimes that all converges, I mean, and overlaps like the Olympic circles, really. Mm -hmm. And so let's just look at Tori, Tori Bowie, Bowie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. The Olympic, the Olympic sprinter. The Olympic right. sprinter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Heartbreaking. National news from right. Mississippi. By all accounts, um, she had some other medical issues going on, which mm -hmm. means it, like if there were some mental issues, etc. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. What if she um, ended up being with child and had no options mm. as a sick woman? Mm -hmm. she, her options were taken off the table and dealing with that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so you've got a someone who has pre-existing conditions, who has a baby inside of her, who is virtually isolated, and the world finds out days later that her and the child had passed away, right? Mm -hmm. So... Help us understand, Dr. Edney, how the extension of postpartum coverage relates to the Supreme Court's decision in overturning Roe versus Wade and the impact on reproductive health care. No, it's, it's exceedingly important that you know we value life at all stages. Mm -hmm. And for me, as I call myself a Matthew 25 mm -hmm. conservative Christian. Mm -hmm. okay. That means Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus and the parable of separating the sheep from the goats. Mm -hmm. He made it very clear how he did that. Mm -hmm. And it's by serving my brothers the least of these, mm -hmm. then you've done it unto me. Mm -hmm. So that drives everything that I do in medicine. Okay. So it drives most of what I do in, in life. And you know, when I am looking at the most vulnerable of our of our family, of our community, mm -hmm. they deserve the most attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not state health officer. Mm -hmm. okay. It's that that Medicaid mom who's mm -hmm. struggling to get to the doctor, whose blood pressure is running high and she mm -hmm. doesn't know it because she's she's missed the last two visits because she couldn't get there. 
her sugar's running high, mm -hmm. and now things are unraveling, yeah. and she's on the slippery slope towards death. Yeah, mm -hmm. preeclampsia is knocking at the door. So it, this is this is what drives me. I care mm -hmm. about that life. I care about the mother's life. Mm -hmm. I care about the fetus's life. Mm -hmm. I care about that neonate's life. I care about that infant's life. Mm -hmm. I care about that three-year-old's life. Okay. I care about that 85-year-old that I'm taking care of in the nursing home. Yeah. yeah. And I think our, our, our um, leaders, they can take um, they can take a note from you yes, by absolutely. caring about these lives through different stages. Oh, God. When a child is born, don't start pooling resources or blocking resources to kids in low-income and poor, in, uh, in, in poor communities. Don't start saying, coming up with reasons why you can't uh, uh, make sure that women have access to health care um, 12 months after they Absolutely. give birth because um, the two months that was forced that's the federal mandate right. for states yeah and that's we were basically doing the bare minimum in this state for so long and yeah. we work with other states yeah. and it was it, it was a fairly robust coalition mm -hmm. that was pushing and applying pressure to make sure our medicaid moms had appropriate coverage for, mm -hmm. for 12 months Okay. And we were able to show the data through the health department that we had 42% of the deaths were occurring after day 60 postpartum. Mm. Oh, goodness. Mm. So that, uh, are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. Good. And, uh -huh. now, and that was back before we had 12 months. So let me digest that real quick. You're telling me nearly half, 42%, nearly half of the deaths occur postpartum. Were, were, were happening after that two-month period. That's right. Yeah. A yeah. lot of those were mental health deaths. Some mm -hmm. of those were substance abuse deaths, but a lot of them were cardiovascular. The, yeah. the number one killer of our women in pregnancy, mm -hmm. and for us, pregnancy goes all the way to one year postpartum, mm -hmm. is cardiovascular, yeah. hypertension, stroke, heart failure. Now, according to the Mississippi Today, Dr. Drew Snyder, the executive director of the Division of Medicaid, estimated that implementing these policy, this policy change would cost the state about $7 million. As the state health doctor, do you believe this cost is justified considering the potential benefits to the healthcare system and the state surplus? I think that cost is negligible. Thank you. That's <laughs> that amount of money the state budget is what my daddy would have called front pocket money. Right. I, I was holding that's that said front pocket money. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what they keep in the change mm. cut in the car. Mm. You know, seven million is that's, that doesn't show up on the radar. Right. So it, it is a lot of money. Mm. But remember that seven million. Mm -hmm. draws down the risk. You know, that's our match to draw down the risk. So Absolutely. you multiply that mm -hmm. times, you know, that's 25%. We draw down another 75% on top of that, mm -hmm. yep. all to benefit Mississippians. Right. Now, I'm going to share with you mm -hmm. the most alarming statistic. Okay. And when I read the mortality review committee report, I had to put it down. Mm -hmm. I had to pray about it. Mm -hmm. 87% are Medicaid moms. 80% of the deaths were Medicaid moms. Mm -hmm. Something is wrong with the system. Yeah. And when I saw that, I said, okay, mm -hmm. this cannot be. It's bad enough when you talk about it in generalities. Yeah. Right? But, but when you, you drill it down, down yeah. you go back to Matthew 25, mm -hmm. and what the Lord taught, <clears throat> if I don't try to take care of the least of these, his sisters, mm -hmm. I'm not doing that to him. 
So we must look out for our Medicaid moms. We must look out for our Medicaid babies. They are the most vulnerable. So, mm. so, so early into this conversation tonight, Dr. Edney, um, so we, we've been looking forward to it. Um, mm. I don't think I was quite ready, right? Yeah. Because this is so serious. Mm. Um, I just hear information, right? What's, what, what, what I'm being um, told this evening is that we have to inform the community. Yes. We have to inform other leaders. We have to lead with data. Uh, because so many of us, if we knew better, we would do better. If we knew that 87% were Medicaid moms, then anyone who has a voice would yeah. use that platform to push forward. If we knew that nearly 50% of the deaths happened postpartum, then we would be on top of it a little bit more. So to that end around community information, um, really the question is, what's your plan? to bring in the community into your world, to synthesize these reports that you're reading that even you have to put down as a doctor and pray over and educate our community. So for example, 1000% increase in syphilis in babies, the highest STD rate in the nation, things that are totally preventable, right? Seems to me like it's, there's a lot of leeway for more partnership between mm. those who know in the community, engaging community organizations. What, what's your plan from your office to get that information out there, tell people where to get resources? So first of all, not being afraid to take the hits you gotta take. There you go. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. And Thank you. I, um, thankfully, at the, I work for the Board of Health. Mm -hmm. okay. And so we're gratefully kind of insulated somewhat, not fully, mm -hmm. but somewhat from the politics of things. That's, mm -hmm. you know, I get a lot of calls and scoldings and whatnot um, <laughs> from friends at, at the Capitol, but uh, I, I've just had the realization that if we're, the more of us who are willing to take the knocks, mm -hmm. the sooner things will get better. And I yeah. promise you, when, not if, but when, the headline is Mississippi is now 28th in the mm -hmm. nation yeah. with infant mortality. Yeah. It'll be a headline. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be grabbing the credit. Yeah. I don't care. Okay. Anybody take the credit they want as long as these babies stop dying. Well, I think that's what we need in our leadership today, and particularly in a role like yours as someone who's willing to tell the hard truths. Yeah. Even when other people around them, even when sometimes yeah. our friends don't want to hear it yeah. and they don't like it. Yeah. And also understanding the importance of saying, you know what, I don't want the credit. That's I right. want all Mississippians, especially mothers and babies, to benefit. I, I don't want us to be last in categories like this. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And so the, to answer your question is, that's why I'm here tonight. Mm -hmm. this I love you and respect you. <laughs> Same here, Dr. Edney. Same here. <laughs> but I, but I'm here You're here for it. Gotcha. Yeah. You're here I'll, for the public. I need everybody listening mm -hmm. to look out for the pregnant women in your church, mm -hmm. to look out for the pregnant women in your family. Yeah. Make sure they've gotten their Medicaid act activated if they don't have insurance. Make sure you make them go to the doctor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Make yeah. sure they're being screened for syphilis. And don't say, well, my baby would never do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what he's doing. 
And you don't know what they and, don't know. And women don't have yeah. symptoms. So sure. that's why we're mandating from the health department every yes. pregnant woman being tested for syphilis three times in her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. she, she's got to go to get screened. So either go to the doctor to get her prenatal care, which she must do, yep. or come to the health department and look at it. But mm -hmm. please, prenatal care reduces death. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's a new mandate. You use the power of your office, yes. having just been appointed in August, not even a year yet, right? right. You saw the statistic. <clears throat> I know I've gotten calls from around the nation. What's going on in Mississippi? I know Ty's oh, got friends who are like, what's going on down there? And so you use the stroke of the pen from your office, Dr. Edney, to issue this mandate for pregnant mothers who are on Medicaid. No. All Just pregnant all pregnant mamas in mm. Mississippi. So every general. pregnant mom in Mississippi must be tested, screened three times in her pregnancy, um, and that is to protect her. But most importantly, we're protecting the baby. And that's something. Yeah. It don't kill the mom. That no, what, takes that care of it. Well, what it is, it says that um, it's not hard. No, no you not. just decide to do it. You decide to, to care about people and make decisions based on making sure that the most vulnerable in our society are taken care of, which are women and babies. And, and specifically our Medicaid. So this yeah. is a great lesson in the difference between equality and equity. Yep. Mm -hmm. So everybody thinks mm -hmm. that our Medicaid models have Medicaid, so they're good. Yeah. They have access, they're good. Yeah. And yeah. most OBs will take Medicaid because it pays okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. but, so, but this shows you that they're not having the same outcomes. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And this is what equity is about. This yeah. is about taking vulnerable populations yeah. and not giving them what I have. Yeah. You know, it's about giving them what they need. That's right. So no. that we get the outcome that we must have. Now we, we're about 30 minutes into our show and I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be good because we're talking about equity and equality and making sure that everybody is, is getting the resources that they need. This is absolutely. Uh, fabulous. You're listening to You Talk, I Listen, We Do. My name is Ty Pekins, and I'm running for United States Senate in 2024. In the office today, we have Dr. Daniel Edney, the top doc in Mississippi. So if you want to call in and ask him a question, you can call 601-948-5950, 601-948-5950. Now, Dr. Edney, uh, one of the things that you mentioned just now was Medicaid. And, and how, so how does the high percentage of uninsured or Medicaid, Medicare patients seeking services in struggling rural hospitals, how do they affect these institutions' financial viability? And what are the steps that we can take in order to, ad to address that decision? So I know both of you know this, but so the listeners understand, you know, Mississippi has the highest rate of poverty in the nation. Mm -hmm. Poverty drives everything. Okay. I mean, when you... The social determinants of health are powerful in this state and they <clears throat> get in the way of everything. Mm -hmm. So if we eliminate social determinants of health, mm -hmm. our moms wouldn't be dying. But hold on okay. a second. Because you just said it. You're saying that if we make sure that the unhealthy people in our state are more healthy, that affects everything. <laughs> that affects the economy. Uh, that affects kids' time. education. Yes. That affects jobs. That affects businesses that want to come to our state. It's, a, it's all about how healthy your, your community is. It is. It, it's more than health care. It's health. Yeah. Because if you don't think that major investors that are looking at bringing oh, in industry absolutely. don't look the difference in the health outcomes in Mississippi yeah. versus Alabama, mm -hmm. you're mistaken. And that's that's why that Mercedes-Benz plants over at Tuscaloosa oh, and not in Mississippi Delta. Mm -hmm. So it's all about 
economic development. Look, we have Dr. Agnew in the audience. Dr. Agnew, you gotta come back next week. I'm sorry. And he is dropping bombs. He's dropping nuggets. I uh, bring it. I'm telling you. And he, you're from Vicksburg, and, and you know we 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 communicate every now and again. But I need to. I need a standing appointment on your calendar. I mean, you are. You're bringing it home tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's basic algebra. He's making it digestible. He is. For and people, and I think that's what's most important. Here's another thing that um, you've done in just 30 minutes, right? The term cognitive dissonance is a real thing. Mm. That's when people are looking at something and you're saying it ain't it. Mm. You, you're you looking and it says blue, but you keep saying, no, it's yellow. Yeah. And so to yeah. hear a leader in the position that you're in, Dr. Edney, who's saying, yep, that is exactly what it is. And exactly. until we we say it and own it, we can never address it. Well, I know Sean got a question, but I got a real quick one. So you're you're doing things that go against the norm in our state. I'm not the only one. Yeah, you're not the only one, but you're doing things that go against the norm in our state. How is it that you're continuing to be able to push back, speak out, point out these things that there are some people who don't really want these to be pointed out? How are you able to do that without? Because we don't. I don't see the. I don't see the flag. I don't see the pushback. You still got a job. <laughs> How are you able to do that? Well, working for the board of health helps. Yeah, <laughs> but. You know, they, I, I try to teach my team, you know, there are ways of doing things and then there are ways of getting things done. Yeah. And like so that. the way you communicate, building relationships, building yeah. partnerships, I care about being on WNPR as much mm-hmm. as I care about being on Supertalk. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I was on Supertalk earlier today. Okay. I was looking forward to being here tonight. Mm-hmm. had an interview with... Uh, African American station and start war mm-hmm. this okay. morning. You you know, I have to have the partners at Raw Base. Yeah. And yeah. and I'll be honest, you know, uh Sherry Jones with mm-hmm. this radio station was one of the first folks to reach out to me last August when he heard my agenda. Okay. And I knew that I had to earn the trust and respect of minority communities. I'm sure. a 61 year old white man. Now you know mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You know what I mean, Vicksburg. So I'm a yep. known entity to you. Yeah. But we're meeting for the first time today. Right. So yep. who's this old white guy coming? <laughs> yeah. You know, and and what I have told everybody is give me all I'm asking for is yeah. a chance. Yeah. Just give me a chance. Mm-hmm. Let me prove myself. And that's across the board. But I want to tell you, I I'll be on Laurel tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak to groups all over the state. I take every opportunity I can get to be in front of folks. Mm-hmm. They want me to talk about X, Y, Z. I'm happy to, and then I pivot. Yeah. yeah. So what we're talking about here. Yeah. So we yeah, got a caller yeah. on right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get him because he wants to talk to you about Medicaid expansion and, and how that that kind of inter, intersects uh, the diabetes issues that you're in our state. So, uh, caller, you're on. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, I'm. Uh, Glad that y'all have this conversation because I've been reading different articles about uh, Presley's platform that he wanted extend Medicaid extension why uh, Governor Reed does not. So what I was asking, wouldn't this extended Medicaid uh, expansion, wouldn't it help the people with diabetes and other complications? Yeah. But thank you so much for that call. Thank you for that question, yeah. Dr. And thank you for listening tonight. Well, in the, the second statistic, is we lead the nation in the rate of the uninsured mm-hmm. in our population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, and then we lead the nation in bad ways of all these health outcomes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Surely people can follow the, the dots. Yeah, there's a train. And just connect everything. Mm -hmm. Sure. And um, we are the state in the most need of resources. Yeah. We take advantage of resources right, left, and center mm -hmm. every chance we can. Um, what I know is that healthcare financing in 2023 uh, is not the same as it was in 1993. Mm -hmm. The amount of money from the federal government is not the same. Mm -hmm. uh, we're a non-expansion state, and they treat us like a non-expansion state. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you mean by that? When you say we, we treat it like a non-expansion state, the federal government drives healthcare, mm -hmm. not the state. Mm -hmm. The federal government. Mm -hmm. They provide the lion's share. Mm -hmm. Through the met through the Medicare and Medicaid programs, sure. And the federal government has determined mm -hmm. has been more than ten years now mm -hmm. that out of the buckets that they fund health care mm -hmm. in the United States and mm -hmm. post the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. and we're taking advantage of marketplace, right. sure. ACA. But sure. We have chosen not to take uh, the quote Obamacare, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. unquote dollars, mm -hmm. and the federal government says that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's like Warren County, mm -hmm. if the state is offering you $100 million and you got to put up $1 million, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? But you choose not to, mm -hmm. God bless. Mm -hmm. Then you got to come up with $100 million on your own. Yeah. So for me, uh, I, you know, it, you know it's, it's more than policy. Right. It's about how do you get things done. Got it. And we, the issue is to expand access to care yeah. so that every Mississippian has a chance to have a medical home, mm -hmm. has a chance to go to the hospital to get preventive care done, which is oh. so cost savings. That's right. And, you know, and in so doing, our health outcomes improve. Mm -hmm. So how do we want to do it? Yep. I'm not going to preach. It's the third rail of Mississippi politics, as you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I will tell you, as I talk to people all over the state, White, black, brown—they're mm -hmm. all asking that very question. Mm -hmm. very and then I have to say, look, because you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Barking up the wrong tree. I am—I have been on record for a long time. I chaired the state medical Medicaid task force, looking into all these things. We generate a white paper, you know, uh, directing state leadership and you know, what makes sense for healthcare in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know. Now I'm trying to preach about the dire need. Yeah. And, you know, yes, we have a rural hospital crisis. Yeah. I think just as importantly, if not more importantly, we have a rural health care crisis. Mm -hmm. Your constituents mm -hmm. need health care. So, so they need a hospital, but they, they need and, coverage. They mm -hmm. need access to that hospital. All right. I'm going to go rogue. Okay. For a second, right? I got you. Uh, well, I'm used to it because every year. This is what Sean does. Sean, I'm going to go show up and just throw stuff around. Put my rogues in the rogues. Do what you want to do, Sean. Um, go ahead. Do all right. I'm going to go rogue real quick and I'll get back in line. So, um, we've got people, white, black, rich, poor, when they get into real trouble, we've all heard, I'm going to Houston mm -hmm. or I'm going here. Yeah. That's where my specialists are. That's mm -hmm. where I feel more confident. Um, and then when you boil it down to African-Americans, Dr. Edney, you have a general you increase in distrust um, unless the doctor looks like you, for example. And so mm -hmm. we faced even, 
you know, honestly, I believe today we have less black specialists in the mm -hmm. state than we even did maybe 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I know all of my grandmother's specialists who are African-American are retired. Mm -hmm. They're gone. And, you know, we had Dr. Taylor, Dr. Butler. Mm -hmm. We wish they would come out of retirement because that's who grandma and granddad feel more comfortable with. Right, right. Um, what is, and this is a two-part question, what, what do you have on your radar for increasing the pipeline of African-American physicians, their visibility, and you have a deputy top doc, yep. and also nurses, people who look like the people they're serving, because that could make a difference in selecting into healthcare. Well, I graduated from medical school in 1988, and I can tell you we're training more African-American healthcare professionals than we ever have. In mm -hmm. Mississippi? In Mississippi. Okay. Um, I think too many are leaving. Mm -hmm. For better pastures. Gotcha. And okay. the, the brain drain is a big deal across the board. Yeah. But um, you know the the actions that we've taken, such as you know, the rural health scholarships, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so that you know we will pay the state of Mississippi will pay the entire tuition for doctors and nurses mm -hmm. to stay in the state and go to rural Mississippi. Okay. And a lot, you know, we do have a lot of minority students benefit from those scholarships. Um, you know, there, you know, there are more health equity scholarships than there have ever been. Mm -hmm. But we've got to do more. We've, you know, we've got to have the climate in Mississippi so the young doctors want to stay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, they um, quality of life. It's mm -hmm. tautological. Yeah. It's uh, and you know, in the healthcare. Economy has to be healthy. Yeah. Now, we there's a lot of talk about hospitals, and rightfully so. Nobody's talking about those little clinics in the Delta. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. They are they are extremely important. Then nobody's talking about there's only nine OBGYNs in the Mississippi Delta. Yeah. A landmass the size of Delaware. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. And you think in Oregon? That's right. Yeah. You know, we have hard enough time getting to Warren County. That's mm -hmm. right. Much less Tallahatchie County. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. You know, it's uh, it gets back to economic development yep. mm -hmm. because every one of those doctor clinics generates about five million dollars per year for that local economy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. 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 Mm -hmm. So, one of the things I also know is extremely important that's going on in our state. So we have a severe shortage of uh, nurses. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And you actually, in your testimony earlier this year. You requested, I believe, $9 million, about $9 million in funding to help with that situation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and to remind you, like my daddy said, front pocket money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. And, but my point was that I don't even think that got approved. It did not. And so how talk about that, but also yes. explain how what's the impact of not using that front pocket money to make sure that we fix that, that, that void. And this is a whole other program in terms of the importance of public health, especially for vulnerable uh, communities. Uh -huh. There, we don't have enough funding at the state level to uh, mm -hmm. to keep our county health departments open. Uh -huh. uh, that all goes back to 2017 with the deep budget cuts. Mm -hmm. The health department was hit really hard. Uh -huh. And guess when syphilis started raising its head? Mm -hmm. 2017. Really? When we had to cut way back at the county health departments. Now, it's algebra, basic algebra. Warren County Health Department is open five days a week. Mm -hmm. yep. Sharp County is open two days a week. 
Gotcha. Claiborne, three days a week. Mm. Wow. So that means the other days that were closed, if that's the time somebody can get to us, they can't get to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're going to overcome that social determinant. Yeah. I, I, I realistically, without more funding, I can't keep 86 county health departments open all the time. Okay. But I can make sure everybody in Sharkey County has access yeah. to care five days a week and okay. I have to pay to bring them to Vicksburg okay. on their day off. Okay. Yeah. Could, could there provide transportation, which is a huge social It is. It's it that, is. It absolutely is. It's a big one. Let's talk about the funding part because mm -hmm. we're going to run out of time, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, all roads yeah, lead to so funding. Good. <laughs> good grief. Um, so, and, and Ty, please, you know, frame it up better. Mm -hmm. The Mississippi, <clears throat> Mississippi State Legislature has a lot of extra money mm. that ain't front pocket money. No, it's real money. That's, that's it. That's it. That's, that's, yeah. that's making interest endowment type money. Mm. So to the extent that that exists, it's one thing if it didn't, but it does. Yeah. How do you get access to it, Dr. Mm. Edney? How does your office and what you're trying to do um, how does it get supported? How can you tap into that money? What are the ways? What can the public do? Can they call their local elected officials, their legislators, their um, senators for their region? What can be done? I mean, this is this politics 101. We mm -hmm. have to have enough, uh, enough partners who care enough to exert the pressure to say, look, we actually care about public health funding. Mm -hmm. We care about education. Sure. So can I ask you a quick story? in terms of how <clears throat> I am where I am today. Because I used to be that guy who, you know, it's blue, but I'm seeing red. Okay. And it was, look, you know, Mississippi Delta, mm -hmm. low-income parents, never had health insurance until I went to work. Where's Mississippi Delta? Greenville. Okay. <laughs> right up the road. And, you know, in my whole life, we were 50th in education and health care. Mm -hmm. Unless Arkansas slipped up, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, my whole practice life, mm -hmm. 31 years in Vicksburg, mm -hmm. we were 50th in health. But something changed with education. Mm -hmm. Okay. We went, we started investing better in education, mm -hmm. where we need to be, but right. way better than we were 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we had, we pumped another 100 million in education this year, thank God. Mm -hmm. We are fun now our uh, starting teacher salary is higher in Mississippi than my daughter who works in Alabama. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have really made strides in education and we made national news with our fourth graders. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we are, you know, we're up in the 20s with fourth grade reading. We're like 38th overall. Mm -hmm. Still 50th in health. Yeah. So when you're saying when you try to get results, you might just get them. And when you invest in what you care about, things huh. change. So, we are funded in health at the lowest level in our region mm -hmm. by a long shot. Mm -hmm. We invest $15.77 per person per year at the state level. Mm -hmm. The next state above us is Georgia, which is twice that. Oh, wow. And then you go to Arkansas, which is like $42 per person per year. You go to Tennessee, and there's $65 per so person regionally, per year. Regionally, you're saying, you're saying that we, we invest the least per person medically per child, and the next closest state in our region invests double what we do, what we yes. invest. And they're ashamed of their investment. Yeah. So how do you think I yeah. 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 So I've got to convince 
my friends at the Capitol. Yeah. And especially my friends in appropriations. Yes. And that this matters, that people care about it, mm -hmm. and that if they will invest in, in public health, mm -hmm. I will pay a dividend. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Eddie, this is what I was thinking as he was talking. Um, my, my corporate background has told me since I've been serving, when you can make that connection between a return on the investment and mm -hmm. what others tend to deem social services or the dole, mm -hmm. then you can get there. And what I've heard nearly for an hour today mm -hmm. is a doctor and, and that is a unique skill set to mm -hmm. be able to make that business case. Right. How often do you hear healthcare commingled with it'll yeah. help with economic development? Exactly. And making it make sense. Yeah. That's going to be the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we need. That's we what need we need. leaders in these positions to be able to explain it in a way that's digestible. So today, I am not that guy anymore. Mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm convicted that we have to do this. This is not optional. Mm -hmm. And by the time I retire in five, six years, mm -hmm. if, if we're still where we are today, then we as a community have chosen to be here. Yeah. Right? It's a choice. I don't think today we're choosing to be committed. Mm -hmm. Five years from now, after I've done all I can do, That's right. leading the health department, it will be a choice. Yeah. And here's what I preach. Somebody has to be 50th. And yeah. it don't have to be us. Right. That's right. And it that's like, that's I like the, that. Somebody has to be I'm going to have to steal that from you. They're not. Somebody has to be but it don't have to be That's like, I, I don't have to, what is it, the bear joke? I don't uh, have to be uh, I the fastest. I just have to be faster than you. Look, All right. Dr. Edney, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. As we close, what message would you like to convey to the public and lawmakers specifically, but to the public also? about the importance of adequately funding public health initiatives in Mississippi. So if we don't want to have the highest rate of STDs, especially syphilis mm -hmm. in the country, if we don't want sick, if we don't want to watch babies dying of syphilis like they never have in, in a, more than 20 years, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, invest in public health. If you don't want tuberculosis breaking out in your community, invest in public health. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you want to be ready when the super flu does hit, COVID was not the super flu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when it does come, if you want us ready, to you said when. You're when. saying that it's going to happen. We know. We know it's coming. Yeah. We thought COVID was it. Thank God it wasn't. It's was mm -hmm. bad enough though. You, do you want us ready or not? Yeah. You know, when your community needs us, yeah. when there's an outbreak of hepatitis A in Warren County, yeah. who do they call? Absolutely. They call us. Yeah. If you want us ready to go, invest in us. Absolutely. We'll be there for you. But thank, thank you so much, Dr. Eddie. This Adam. has been thank absolutely you. wonderful, educational uh, conversation with you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with our uh, our listeners. And thank you all out there for listening to and tuning in to this week's episode of You Talk, I Listen, We Do. We got a few more minutes. Sean, you're in a re-election race right now. Tell us what's going on. Tell, tell us how, how you're doing, how people can help you let us let us know thank you thank you for the opportunity so first how can you help you all um we live in communities that are not isolated if mm -hmm. you know people in warren county let them know um sean jackson is running for re-election mm -hmm. if you want to donate to my campaign you can text 601-831-6428 for my act blue link mm -hmm. 
And I've had to get back on the re-election trail, and I had to summarize the things that I think we've done together Mm -hmm. uh, by virtue of my (laughs) being in office, because I didn't do it myself. Mm -hmm. But I I Mm -hmm. land at these two things tonight, right? Mm -hmm. One with Dr. Edney here. You need a leader who will lead in the Mm -hmm. time of crises and go places that have never been blazed before. Mm -hmm. And during the pandemic, um, no one told me to go out and figure out how to bring in 26,000 food boxes. 26,000. 26,000. And that united the entire community. We sent it to everybody. We didn't leave anybody out, not race, color, creed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then we needed to have a public um, vaccination site. I led the effort in getting that. And we also needed to have vaccination for our children so that they could return to normalcy. Mm -hmm. I created that. And one of the last things I want to talk about is economic development. Yeah. Um, I am the lead negotiator on a capital project in Warren County. It's going to cost close to $100 million. Mm -hmm. The absolute highlight of me negotiating that contract was putting a 20% local participation clause in there. We want to flip governance on its head as far as showing our people how smart leadership does it. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is if we got to do $70 million in building, I want at least 14 million to be spurned off into businesses. And my question is, how many white millionaires and how many black millionaires are you producing in your community? And if you have zero, then maybe you're not the leader. But I am that leader. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I say at the top of the show, she's one of the smartest people I know. We're just working. So (laughs) my name is Todd Higgins, and I'm running for the United States Senate in 2024. Please visit me at www.tidehiggins.com. Join us next week. When our guests will be Terry Rogers and Bethany Hill, both of whom are running for Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. See you next Wednesday right here on You Talk, I Listen, We Do. Peace out. All right. What a great show. <laughs> Dr. Edney, thank you. <laughs>